It's Growing in Greatness radio show with host Gwendolyn Singletary. We want to be your source for reliable, relevant, and informative strategies that disrupt the norm and to help ambitious achievers grow in greatness. Don't miss it. Mondays at 6 p.m. right here on Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Achievers grow in greatness. Greatness, 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 greatness. Well, like I said earlier, I'm so excited because today we start a new series, whole entire month of June, called Passion, Purpose, and Profits. And I'm so excited about this because so many people come to me and ask me about, can I take my passion and turn it into a business venture? Um, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't understand what I need to be doing. I want, I want to do something. So we have established and set up interviews with four great folk who I think can really help us deal with and understand how they took their journey through their passion, which is all about their strong emotions, uh, their intense desire drive. They took their passion, their purpose, which is their reason, their why, their motivation. And then, of course, they're looking to making profits. And I want to go a little deeper into that because profit is always thought about in terms of money. But we know that profit is actually a benefit. So it can actually be something that builds the kingdom, can your family, your community, that's a profit as well. So we look at that passion, purpose, and profit. And today I have with me Miss Melissa Rayburn. She is Executive Director of Pace Academies. And let me tell you about Pace. Pace Academies is Palmetto Achievement Center for Excellence. I love that. Greatness, excellence, that's what I love. It's a school for a tuition-free school for children with dyslexia. And I wanted to have her come on in right now and tell her story, how this came about. When I heard her story, I was spellbound. And she took all of these things, her passion, her purpose, and now she has a great profit to the community as well as the kingdom of God. So, Melissa, could you tell us your story? Hi, Gwendolyn. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate you allowing me to share my story with everyone. Um, so I did not traditionally go to school to be in education. I went to school for business and uh, worked in in several different industries for a couple years. But when I had children, I felt the call on my life by God to go into education. And um, luckily, I had minored in English when I got my business degree because uh, I felt like that was beneficial for doing event planning and marketing and that kind of thing. So... Um, when I decided that I felt like God had called me into education, I was able to um, get into teaching high school English and really felt like from the very beginning that that's exactly where God wanted me was to be in the classroom teaching English. And my first year teaching, I had students, I had one student in particular, um, we'll call him Robert, that was a 10th grader who read on a 5th grade reading level. And and I thought, how do you get to the 10th grade and you can't read? And I marched down to right. the administrator's office, and I said, how do you get to the 10th grade and you can't read? And she said, well, he has specific learning disability in reading. And not having gone to school to be an educator, I was I looked at her, and I was like, okay, what, what specifically is that? And she said, it's just a reading disability. Just follow his accommodations, and he'll be all right. Well, my child was two at the time, and uh, two years later, Robert graduated high school functionally illiterate. And to me, I just felt like that wasn't, like we did him a disservice. Um, 
two more years later, my own son was diagnosed with dyslexia, severe dyslexia. And I figured out real quick, like, how you get to the 10th grade and you can't read. So I learned that children like him have to be taught in a very specific way. And it's not a way that's traditionally done in traditional public schools. So lots and lots of research later, I ended up hiring an advocate at some point. Um, and the school district kept looking at me like, well, you're just a high school teacher. You don't know. Um, and it's not that anybody actually said that, but that's the impression that I got was, you know, stay in your lane. You don't know what we're doing at the lower elementary level. You know, we know what's best. Um, well, at the end so of third to, grade, so, my son – go ahead. So, Melissa, you had to – I think we were, I, it's a key point there. You took your passion and your drive. And you knew something was wrong, and it motivated you to make something happen. And what I love about what you're telling me is you didn't just do it because of your child. You saw a oh, need no. in the community. You saw another child earlier who had the problem. And I guess God yeah. was setting you up for such a time as this that you were able oh, yeah. to help your child. Absolutely. And it's really kind so, of sad that our system does not prepare itself for children who are different, right? Absolutely. If you don't fit the norm, then a lot of them are lost in the cracks. And, right. You know, you throw in so lower socioeconomic issues, there are even more children that fall through the cracks. You throw in minorities, they even more of those fall through the cracks. And it was just a huge disservice. At the, at the end of third grade, my son was, we held him back one time already. And at the end of third grade, he was barely reading on a kindergarten level. And that's when I said, something's got to change. So I felt like God was calling me into special education because I felt like if I couldn't get help for my kid, what about all these other people? And I had to be part of helping to change that path for other kids. And so part of the way through getting my master's in special education, I met a young lady that is the principal of the very first free tuition-free charter school for dyslexia up in the in the uh, upstate of South Carolina at Lakes and Bridges. And when I met with her and she told me how they got a school started, I said, well, if she can do it, why can't I? And at least I have to try because, you know, like you said, it's not just about my kid. I could have I sacrificed and probably found a way to get private tutoring and get private education, but not every child in South Carolina, not every family in South Carolina has that opportunity. Uh, and nor do I feel like they should have to have that opportunity. I feel like and as educators, I felt like the the director of special ed looked at me and said, well, your kid's going to be fine because you're advocating for him. And I feel like as educators, we have, quote, unquote, signed an oath to do what's right for kids, kind of like a doctor, you know, signs an oath to do what's best for your health. Um, and I didn't feel like we were doing what was right for these kids. So I wanted to create a place that they could come to where every teacher understood them, understood how their brains worked, understood how to teach them specifically, because they are capable of doing great things. They just aren't able to do it in ways that traditional settings want them to do it. And, and, and if, if we can get past – go ahead. Now, let me ask that question. I'll ask you right there. To my understanding, most of the children who are diagnosed, if you will, with dyslexia, they tend to be average to above average in terms of intelligence. Absolutely. Some of the most uh, intelligent people on the planet actually have dyslexia. If you look um, 
40% of CEOs of companies are actually people who have dyslexia or reading struggles. Um, They're very highly intelligent people. They just, for whatever reason, there's a a way their brain processes language. When they read it, it just gets jumbled up in their head. Now, we know through science and research that there's ways that we can teach that will literally rewire the neural pathways in their brain so that they can read more proficiently and give them more opportunities as they grow up. That's great. That is outstanding. I am, let me tell you guys, when I first met Melissa, we would happen to be in a meeting together, and uh, she's going to tell you a little more about her facility. But the facility that she has gotten, personally, I wanted that facility for my business. And I had my <laughs> eye on it, and I like, all of a sudden, I saw this go up a pay school, and I had a little attitude, actually. But then when I met Melissa, and heard her story and her drive and her passion and what she was doing. And we talked about a lot of other things, other children, other situations. I looked at her and said, you know what? I'm not upset anymore. This is much more important than what I want to do, you know, because I know so many children coming up that needed help. And they need to be taught differently. They're not bad. They're not wrong. They're not stupid. They just need to be taught differently. So it's come upon us to help them and give them what they need. Yeah. And you know, when, we, when, we, that. when we garden, we don't look at a plant that doesn't grow and say, shame on you, plant. You need to do better. You need to try harder. Um, we right. change the environment that it's in. And that's what I want right. to do for these kids is create an environment that they can flourish and grow in that the way, you know, their brains need to be taught. And This is great. We're talking to Melissa Weyburn. And please, please call in. Ask some questions about her struggle. Um, the number is 515-602-9767. Call in, ask questions. She's open to share with you her, what she's doing, how she did it, her struggles. Some of you guys may have children with some learning uh, disabilities or um, other issues, and she's willing to do that. And now I want to go back a little bit, back to Melissa for a few minutes. Let's talk a little more about your process. So you had the passion, the motivation mm-hmm. to get it done clearly, you and your husband had the drive to make it happen. So what kind of steps do you have to take from a business perspective to get the school started? Well, I know that I'm a public school leader and I'm supposed to have separation of church and state, but I will tell you that this has all been a divine intervention. Um, I stood at work one day and was very beaten down about the process that I was going through with my own kid and jokingly said to a coworker, you know, I should just start my own school since they can't get it right they can't seem to understand and he looked at me and said you know that's what my wife does for a living right and I said no I had no idea so like God has literally lined up everything to make this process happen it's not because of me yes I have the drive and yes I'm putting in long hours and doing the work but I'm just being obedient to what he has told me to do um Mm -hmm. we hired a consultant that opens charter schools she instructed me on how to get a group of members together to form a board, to form a nonprofit board. We wrote a very long, several hundred page document to the state of South Carolina about why we needed to open the school, all the research behind what children would benefit from this, um, the exact instructional approaches we would use, all the things to literally pretty much start a building, you know, start your own business, start your own private school, but it's public. We were were the first and only charter school in the state of South Carolina approved by both large authorizers. 
Um, shortly after that, we put out an RFP to buy that building and have it renovated. We were looking for a developer to come and buy it from, for us so that we could rent it back from them. And we were approached by a bond company. And they said, we believe in your mission. We want to help you get your building by yourself without having to rent from a developer. So we were the first charter school in South Carolina without a large management company to buy our building with a bond. Um, you know, and, that, and I, I firmly believe that that's just God's affirmation that he wants us to be there in that area. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. We have so 192 kids enrolled, and we have wow. over 50 kids on the waiting list. Let me say this. Um, I am 100% with you in terms of God's divine intervention, but I want people out there to listen to what you said. It was his intervention, <laughs> but there were still steps you took from a business perspective. You hired a consultant. <laughs> you wrote yeah. you wrote the vision down and made it plain. With 100 pages, you made yeah. a real plain, right? You wrote the yeah. vision down. You made it plain. You did your research. You understood your target audience. You understood what. So I wanted to bring that back to the business model we talk about here almost every week about things that you have to do. You know, you just did well, not the, say, the okay. Biggest thing, the biggest thing, Gwendolyn, is plugging in with people in the community. I have to say okay. that the, the background of writing the business plan, like you come up with your own business plan, you know what you want it to do. You know how to, you know, most people, when they come up with their own business plan, they they know what direction they want to go in. But if you don't have buy-in from the people around you, then your efforts may go deflated, I guess, uh, for lack of a better yes. word. You've yes. got to get out and share your vision and your passion and your why with other people so that they understand why you're there. Like Just like you said, you were kind of mad that I got your building, but now that you know the the purpose behind it and where we're going with it, you know, you have bought into what we're trying to do. And it's not just – Again, it's not just about my kid. It's about making a difference in the lives of hundreds of kids and then also improving the area around where we are, helping with the efforts that you've you've already been involved with to make that community a better place so that people feel like they have options in life. Yeah. And it starts Absolutely. with education. And I love that. You did the research. So, you know, you did the research about getting out there. I guys, she was out there calling people in. Here's what I want to do. She called us up. I want to partner with this organization, this organization. I'm just telling you what I actually saw. I want to partner, I want to partner, I want to partner. Uh, she, I saw her board of directors. She has a very impressive board of directors, a little celebrity in there as well. That didn't hurt. She's out there doing this stuff. And so I'm just saying to you, as we talked about growing in greatness in business, this is where you take your passion, your purpose, and you make profits for the community and yourself and your children your family. But there's still that model. There's still work you have to do. So at this point right now, take a quick little break. We're going to take a quick break and come back, Melissa, and we'll talk about okay. more about what your school has to offer. Thank you. Okay. You, your family, and your friends are invited to Embrace Richland County Gospel Brunch. Sunday, June 20th at 1 p.m. at the Wiley Kennedy Family Life Center located at 1034 Eastman Street in Columbia, South Carolina. You can also enjoy it virtually via live stream. It's a great way to celebrate Father's Day with the family. Enjoy soul-stirring gospel music and on site a mouth-watering brunch. For your safety, we will be adhering to COVID-19 protocols. 
Get your tickets before May 30th, and they're only $15, $20 after that, or you can just simply buy a table. Tickets available only at Eventbrite. Sharing music selections will be international gospel star Luther Barnes and the Sunset Jubilaires. Saxophonist Dante Lewis and Jacqueline Kendrick Dance Ministry. This powerful event is sponsored by the Wiley Kennedy Foundation and the great folk at Richland County. You don't want to miss this fantastic celebration, so join us Sunday, June 20th at 1 p.m. Okay, so we're back. We're back with um, Melissa Rabin. She is going to be telling us more about her Pace Academy, that she has the vision, the, the passion, the purpose, and the profit she's showing in terms of benefiting for the community and children all over the community. So tell me, Melissa, a little bit about the curriculum and how you guys have developed that to deal with um, the issues we're facing. Okay. So the, the main focus of our curriculum is the Orton-Gillingham method, and the Orton-Gillingham comes from the 1930s. It was Dr. Samuel Orton and a teacher, Ms. Anna Gillingham, they, they figured out that if they taught education in a specific way, that these children would actually learn to read. They would rewire their brain. So everything we do is evolve, revolves around that multi-sensory approach to education. You have to incorporate hearing, seeing, touching, and uh, moving while you're learning. Okay. And that's not just okay. for reading, but it's for all subjects. So we start out every morning and children will get 45 minutes of reading instruction based on what their current ability is right now. It doesn't matter if you're 7th grade or if you're 3rd grade. Wherever you are on the spectrum of knowing how to read, that's the group you go to. And that's 45 minutes every day. Then they're in their English language arts time. They're going to have two teachers in the classroom. We've limited class sizes to only 16 students. We know that when wow. through research that if if the class gets bigger than 16, then teachers have a really hard time juggling. And if you can talk to any traditional classroom teacher now, their classrooms are 25, 30 kids in a class. Absolutely. And you That's can't amazing. give them the That's attention amazing. that they need. Mm -hmm. So during that class, they're going to have two teachers so they can have more one-on-one -on -one attention. Uh, math time will be more multi-sensory. So instead of just sitting down with a worksheet and doing your times tables, they're actually going to have manipulative blocks and things and show you how do you form six times three. Or okay. uh, they may they may use measuring tape and you actually go out and measure the slope of a the handrail instead of just figuring out slope intercept form on, on paper. Uh, science and social studies will be a project based curriculum. So and we know that children with dyslexia or people with dyslexia tend to be very creative people and um we want them to be able to show their understanding in ways other than just rote memorization of a test. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're going to be doing more hands-on projects, science experiments, that kind of thing with science and social studies. One unique thing about PACE is that every teacher is going to be trained in how to teach this, whether it's a PE wow. teacher or an art teacher or a reading teacher. They're all going to be trained in how to do this because – for me, it's important that every person in that building understands how their brains work because dyslexia is not just a reading problem. It is a whole life issue. It affects how they um, how they can see time. It affects how they um, can organize information. It affects so many things. So we want everybody in there to to know how these kids work. 
That's impressive. I, I keep saying wow because I think about the traditional school system and, you know, the number, the ratios, you see in 16 students to a class, two instructors in each class. So that's basically one in eight ratio. That's unheard of. You know, that's very impressive, and I'm sure that's going to make people get the kind of attention they desperately need. I am so impressed with school. And then with all of it being done, it's tuition-free, correct? Absolutely. Everybody gets to attend for free. Wow. Now, now guys, you see why I wouldn't upset anymore about my, my building going away. I mean, with that kind of <laughs> impact for so many people, I could no longer be selfish and say, I want my building. That, to me, is a much better use than what I had for the space. I was so in awe about that when she told me it's going to be tuition-free. And uh, also, it's for tuition-free for anyone in the state, correct? In the state. Yeah, you have to be a resident of South Carolina and show that your child has reading struggles to be able to get into the school. But other than that, you know, as long as there's a seat available, we'll take kids. So, you, you know, there's – go ahead. Well, go tell the story about the fact that there are people who are moving into the state. <laughs> yeah, we have we have eight families that are actually moving from all across the United States to get in. We've got one from Maine, one from Ohio, two coming from Las Vegas, a couple from Georgia, North Carolina. So they, you know, a lot of families, when they figure out that their kid has dyslexia, they end up plugging into these support groups on social media, whether it's decoding dyslexia on Facebook and every state has their own chapter and they start sharing information about what works, what doesn't work, what should the schools do, what shouldn't the schools do. And, you know, we started posting about we were coming and families found us all across the United States and we're like, how do we get in? So we wow. had families zooming in, you know, when we did our first lottery uh, we did a random drawing for kids to get in, and there were families from all over the country zoomed in trying to see if their kid got in or not. And we have several that are they're selling everything, and they're coming to South Carolina to get this education. So that's huge. I find I mean, that, that, that incredibly you know, humbling. These parents, yeah, these yeah. parents are serious. So tell me a little bit about the lottery before we, before we kind of close things up. Tell us a little about the lottery. But how you talk, where you go with the website, the, you know, the application. I know it's a waiting list, but still, nevertheless, what do you do? Yeah. How, how do you contact so if you, you guys? If you go to choosepace.org, you can see right there on the front page, it says register for the waiting list. And parents can put their kids on the list. And what it does is it generates an email to me saying that somebody wants to be added to the list, and then I put them on their that child's grade level waiting list, tell the parents where they are. And we have some that are rotating off. Some parents have decided they don't want to drive that far to get to the school. They already live in South Carolina. So if anybody drops off the list, what I do is I go to the very next one on the list and say, okay, Mom, this child has now been moved up, and they had the last spot. You have two weeks to show me your documentation that your child is a struggling reader, so they might have an mm -hmm. IEP or a 504. They maybe have been going to tutoring or whatever. They have mm -hmm. to provide that documentation, and then mm -hmm. they get a secured spot for the school. So we still have some right. that are moving around a little bit, so there's still mm -hmm. a slight chance that people can get in. But you can always join the waiting list and see if something opens up um, mid-school year and um, even go ahead and get a jump start on the on year two. Okay. So this year we have um, grades so two through seven, and then the, then we'll expand um, to two through eight, then one through eight, and then K to eight. Uh, wonderful. 
tell her one more time what that um your um your grades and that levels now your next phase do it one more time um uh, first year we'll have grades two through seven okay very good, very good. I'm excited. And listen, guys, you got a few more minutes on the line, 515-602-9767. You want to call in and ask Melissa a question. However, you have the website there. You go to her website. It's choosepace.org. Um, go there and um, uh, ask your questions. Uh, you know, read, the, read the website to understand all the information and the steps they're doing. Um, she has also an awesome board of people who are helping and who care about what's going on and are not only contributing their brain power and contributing their time, they're contributing money to make this happen. So once again, you may not have a child who has dyslexia. You may just want to give to this cause, and we can all say this is a worthy cause. Um, so think about donating something uh, in, a, in a memory of somebody for somebody, child you want to help down the road, whatever. It's also an opportunity for you to be a part of this great program. I mean, I'm really excited about it. That's why she's the first person on my show this month to talk about this because I feel very strongly that her passion, her purpose, and the profit for the community, the profit for the kingdom of God is just outstanding, and we need to be, that needs to be recognized. So that's why I want to have on the show. Once again, Melissa, tell them very quickly how they can reach out to you or anything else you want to say in our last closing minutes. Um, absolutely. You can reach me at info at choosepace.org. Um, with any questions or comments that you'd like to do. And as you said, like you're more than welcome to donate. We do have um, state and federal funding that will helps open the building, but it doesn't help with any extras. So like our plant, parent planning committee raised money to provide a playground for our students. So I was excited to announce that we re reached our goal for that. But now we're trying to fund a media center. So um, new books, new hardback books would be great for the media center. Um, supplies for a science lab are needed. There are several needs that we have in the community or for the school and, you know, to provide them with every opportunity that they can have to be successful. So it's info at choose, or if you just go to choosepace.org, you can donate right on the website. Okay, and I want to just say to you guys, this right here, um, I'm feeling real strong about this, and we're going to partner. Um, Listen, I talked about partnering on another phase down the road um, with some older with adults and helping them with reading. That's right. Um, and uh, so I'm excited about that opportunity as it presents itself for us to partner on that as well. Um, clearly, she and her husband are trying desperately to help children overall. And, oh, before we go, please tell about your son. What does he say about the school? Um, he doesn't really uh, – <laughs> I don't know that it's really quite hitting yet. I, I remind him quite often that, you know, not everybody's mom goes out and just creates a school because their kid needed something. <laughs> So uh, he is a rising seventh grader, and I think he mm -hmm. just thinks this is normal. Like moms just, you know, go out and create schools. I don't know. Um, he's, yeah. he's super excited about it. Um, he's he's excited that the science teacher will have a um, – she has a therapy dog that comes to school with her. So he's excited about that. And mm -hmm. he's excited that every teacher is going to understand how his brain works. So he's mm -hmm. not going to have to worry about having to explain. This year he's had to do a lot of explaining to teachers you know, I need extra time to do this. I need time to think mm -hmm. about what I need to write. I need time to, mm -hmm. I need these extra tools to, you know, speech to text or audio books or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and he's had to do a lots of explaining on his part mm -hmm. to teachers for them to understand what he needs. So, you know, he's excited about not having to explain that anymore. Yeah. So 
And I'm We're so excited, excited about moving said, into that next phase. Oh, yeah, and I'm really excited by the fact that he owns his, his challenges. He tells people. And he oh, yeah. said, you told me he said that this is his, he said this is his school, right? <laughs> the school was for him? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> he said, this, it's only that. because of me that we have this school. And I said, well, <laughs> you know, it started with that first kid my first year that couldn't read in the 10th grade. But then when God mm-hmm. gave me you, he, he just reaffirmed that I needed to make some change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it becomes a little more personal when it's your kid. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, I just think about all my students I've had over the years and, you know, what kind of lives would they have led had somebody reached them at a much younger age. And, you know, I used to tell my high school kids, it's all about having options when you leave high school, whether that's going into a career or going into a trade or going to college or going to the military, whatever you choose, whatever path God leads you on, you should have options. And them Absolutely. not being able to read should not keep them from reaching those options. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, there's, listen, there's no reason are, in 2020 for them not to be able to read. And that's so, I love that. There's no reason. With everything we are doing, putting men on the moon and putting other stuff in the air and everything else, we can't yep. take the time to help our children who are a little different. They're not the same, yep. cut out the same mold. They're not less, but they cut a different they're mold, not. and we all are cut out a different mold. So I'm glad that we're recognizing right. that and helping those children um, that need it. And, Melissa, I'm so excited about what you're doing. You know, you can call on me. And I'm trying to get her name out there in the community. Um, I'm happy that you were able to spend this time with us. We'll be checking in with you periodically because um, I, I have a passion in my heart for what you're doing. Um, and I want to work on our project together to help other folks, you know, who are not school age, age to be able to hopefully help them read as well. So thank you so much for your time. One more time, giving your information um, on your um, how to reach you. Uh, info at choosepace.org. Okay. Sounds Melissa Raven with the Pace Academy. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Please go read about the Academy and consider donating. Once again, thank you guys and go out and be great. Have a good one. Thank you. Have a great night. It's Growing in Greatness radio show with host Gwendolyn Singletary. We want to be your source for reliable, relevant, and informative strategies that disrupt the norm, and to help ambitious achievers grow in greatness. Don't miss it. Mondays at 6 p.m. right here on Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Achievers grow in greatness. Greatness, greatness, greatness.